0: Thank you for joining us here at Second Baptist Church. Today you will be hearing one of our members teach from the Bible Studies for Life curriculum. Bible Studies for Life curriculum is provided by Lifeway and is a curriculum that we use in our Sunday school and Bible study groups at the church. If you are able, we would love to have you join us in one of our groups. Our church meets at 301 Tomberlin Road and more information can be found at secondbaptistwaycross.com Thank you for joining us. We are glad you're back here with us. We are in week four of our new series, The Essentials of Christianity. And I probably shouldn't say new series because since it's week four, we're over halfway through. Uh, With this series, this week is the week that is commonly known as Palm Sunday. It's the week prior to Easter. We call it Palm Sunday for the celebration that the Jews did as they led Jesus into Jerusalem as he is finishing up his ministry, and you can go read about that. In John 14 and 15, and Luke 21, as Jesus finishes his ministry and comes into Jerusalem, there's this crowd and group of people that have begun to accumulate around him as he's been ministering and doing miracles. And they come into Jerusalem and they're breaking off palm branches and celebrating the coming Messiah. And we know the story that a few days later, many of that group, We're now willing to allow him to be crucified, and that's where we're at today, uh, just five short days after that. And we look at this on the week that we call Palm Sunday. You may remember last week we talked about sin and the reality that we all uh, have to deal with sin. And we talked about how sin is simply us choosing ourselves over God and over others and missing the mark that God has created for us. And so As we look at today's lesson, we're going to look at Jesus' death on the cross, and in that we're going to see the potential for the forgiveness of our sins, and the author starts out by making this point that we've become a nation of do-it-yourselfers, and I don't know about you guys, but if if you're actually viewing this, you're viewing this on one of my favorite places in the whole entire world, and that's YouTube. Uh, You can find just about any information. You can find a video that somebody's recorded of themselves doing it. It might be poor quality. It might be professionally done. It might have five views and it might have five million views, but it's out there. And so.
1: uh, You probably um, looked up how to fix my car this afternoon. I had a little brake issue. Maybe we're doing that out there.
0: I would have but I couldn't get the lug nuts off (laughs) but I didn't know that was that was that was on my mind that as soon as I get this wheel off and look and see what I'm dealing with here I'm gonna get on YouTube and see what's out there but
1: and I use Pinterest because I like to look up recipes so you know there's different venues of trying to figure out DIYs some of you may watch HGTV or Food Network and explore the possibilities of how to do things yourself Um, Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and all these videos or recipes or whatever it may be that, that we read or watch, whatever, it really is it emboldens us to say, okay, I, let me try that.
1: I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah.
0: And so when we do that, a lot of times, last week when we talked about sin and we talked about missing the mark, uh, a lot of times we'll read on that or we'll study on that or, or we'll listen to somebody talk about it and we'll think, well, I can fix that. I can, I can change my behavior. And we can. There are certain things we can do and, and we should do. Uh, But when it comes to making ourselves right with God, we can't do that. And it's only possible through what Jesus did for us. And so that's where we're at today, beginning to look at his story on that. On
1: John 19, we'll begin um, reading in verses 8 through 11. But like Daniel said, if you have your book, a broken relationship with God is something you can't fix on your own only one person can fix the sin problem and that's jesus and that's what we'll look at today in john 19. Um, we will not read the whole chapter but i do encourage you to read the Mm -hmm. whole chapter or play it on you version but john chapter 19 beginning in verse 8 we'll read our first section of verses when pilate heard this statement he was more afraid than ever he went back into the headquarters and asked jesus where are you from But Jesus did not give him an answer. So Pilate said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? You would have no authority over me at all, Jesus answered him, if I hadn't been given you from above. If it hadn't been given you from above. This is why the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin.
0: So as Christie said, you should read the entire chapter, and, and I quite challenge you to, to read or listen to the entire book of John. It would probably take you about an hour of combined time. But let me tell you very quickly what had just happened prior to this so you get the tension that is happening here. they brought Jesus to Pilate, and they said, Pilate, kill him. The Jews at that point were under Roman rule. They didn't have the authority to kill anyone. So they brought Jesus to Pilate, and they said, kill him, Pilate. And Pilate said, nope, not my problem. You kill him. And Pilate was baiting them. In fact, one of the reasons Pilate was there was because the Jews kept rebelling and they kept doing all these things. And so Pilate was there to crush their rebellions. And he had failed at that prior and he'd been pulled away and now he was back. And so Pilate's kind of baiting them there, mocking them and saying, no, you do it. You go kill him Uh, because he knows that's a violation of, of their agreement with the Romans and he can punish them. And so they come back to Pilate, and they say, "Well, uh, you, Pilate, should understand this. He's calling himself the Son of God." Well, Son of God, and you may not be familiar with this, but Son of God was a term that was reserved for Caesar. You could only make that claim about Caesar. And so what they were doing was, Pilate baited them; they bait Pilate back, and they're saying, "Okay, you want us to go kill him? Well, if we do it, we're do- if we go killing, we're doing your job." because he's calling himself son of God, and it was illegal, and it was a capital offense for anyone to refer to themselves as son of God. But this, I mean, this upset Pilate, you can see in the story here, it's, I mean, he's, he says he goes back into the headquarters and asks Jesus, where are you from? And he wants to know who Jesus is, what's his background, who is he? And I don't know what's happening in his mind, but maybe he's thinking, man, this could be another, and by the way, Caesar at this point is a nephew of the previous Caesar. He could be thinking, It's another one of Caesar's family over here, way out trying to start a rebellion, and I mean, I don't know what's going on in his mind, but it definitely upset the apple cart with him. So when he does that, the the idea here is, in this dialogue, let's look at this dialogue that, that Pilate has with Jesus, and Pilate basically begins to use what he has, which is power and authority and cruelty; those were his his methods and his means. And he, he fusses at Jesus. Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? And so, what he's trying to do is challenge Jesus to see that either he can play Pilate's game and and have this dialogue that will satisfy pilot so he can send him away, or Pilate can crucify him.
1: Would, yeah. If you've read the verses prior and then reading this now. This wasn't something Pilate wanted to do. Was just crucify Jesus or yeah. have him crucified or you know anything like that. Pilate was very willing to let Jesus go. Um, at this point, it wasn't just something he wanted to do, but um, he had a lot, a lot of things playing against him. Obviously, with the Jewish crowd.
0: Yeah, and and you have to realize too, Pilate was not. I mean, he didn't go around seeking to preserve life. Right. in fact at the end he's like flip a coin kill this guy or kill that guy it doesn't matter to me uh, but it did matter to him which is why he brought him to that point as you're right. saying there was he knew in Jesus's character by Jesus's behavior and then more specifically by the behavior of the Jews that brought him mm-hmm. that their whole goal was to destroy a rival uh, and you can go read the different crucifixion stories and that comes out that, that Pilate realizes this is about <laughs> destroying a religious rival
1: question here how does God's authority differ from the authority exercised by its institutions in your life you have anything for that one
0: uh, yeah I, I mean I do um, so ultimately Pilate orders Jesus killed and he orders Jesus killed because if he doesn't do that he's not doing his job And if he doesn't do his job, then either he can personally die or at the very least he's going to be demoted and pulled out of Jerusalem. And that's the authority of institutions. They have power over our income. They have power over, to some degree, our lives. They have power over our influence. But God's authority is over all of that. And it's actually, I mean, it's really separate from that. And, and, and we get the picture of it from Jesus. There's two people here. One is under the authority of the institution, that's Pilate. Mm-hmm. He is bound. I mean, you go read this dialogue, Pilate's hands are tied. I mean, you said that he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to do this. But yet Jesus is there, and he's willing. I mean, he, 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 he could have... Argued he could have pled his case. He might could have gotten the Jewish leaders in trouble He could have told Pilate how they arrested him. I mean that may or may not have changed the situation, but I mean that's how God's authorities are different,
1: right? and too we just uh, looked at Genesis several weeks ago about creation and And that is that is God. I mean that Jesus was present at creation the one who created these institutions mm-hmm. Is now standing before these institutions and he came into the world John even said this in John chapter one he came into the world and the world didn't even receive him and this was the stuff that he created these are the people he created and you know Pilate was just one of those people
0: yeah and it's it's interesting too that in Jesus's freedom to, to choose It was almost like he was more constrained than Pilate. And I mean, we've often heard that Jesus could just, he could have just stepped out of there. He could have just called down, you know, fire on him. He could have called the angels down on them. You know, I'm not saying he couldn't have done any of that, but at this point in his life, he's lived 33 years. He has seen his mother doubt him, probably very personally at times, like extremely personally he's been mocked by his brothers publicly uh, he's been denied by his biggest mouth disciple just the night prior
1: and when he went into his hometown of Nazareth and he started teaching his hometown rejected him yeah tried and to, he had to, to they tried him. to stone him but he just walked right on through him and he got out of there
0: yeah, and in none of these moments none of these places Jesus did not bring down some extra-terrestrial type power or being or, or whatever to destroy anyone. And so I think that one of the things to see in this moment with Pilate is this the, this is the culmination of a life that's been lived in sacrifice and humility. Uh, he doesn't get to Pilate and decide Okay. Oh, it's time. Yeah. yeah. And you, But you even see the anguish of that. If you go back and read John 17, um, you see the anguish of what he went through in the Garden of Gethsemane preparing for this moment. That's what enabled him to, 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 to go through this moment the way that he did. So,
1: so this, if, if we're talking about forgiveness, this is the ultimate form of forgiveness is just stepping back and standing there and letting it happen. And sometimes we're rejected by people around us, or ridiculed to our faces. But forgiveness is just embracing that. It's it's not forgetting it. It's just letting it happen.
0: Yeah, because what he ultimately did in that is, and what you and I will find in our own lives, I believe, is we understand that Jesus in this was working and bringing about making us right with God. And I often wonder if. How much my attitude towards someone in a situation, and how much I'm willing to surrender and let God be God in that moment and not me, uh, how much potential that leads to bringing about forgiveness to somebody else's life and healing in somebody else's life. Um, so, we're going to move on to the next. Uh, we skip a few verses uh, through as Jesus said, continues his dialogue with with Pilate pick it up in the middle of verse 16
1: then they took Jesus away carrying the cross by himself he went out to what is called the place of the skull which is in Aramaic called Golgotha there they crucified him and two others with him one on either side with Jesus in the middle
0: When we think of crucifixion, most of us don't have a lot of idea of what that is, but you may have heard over the years the suffering that's involved and the pain that's involved. The Romans used it because they wanted to both make their enemies suffer as well as make them a public spectacle. But I think that the picture that John gives us here that I want us to kind of think about for just a minute here is that in order for Jesus to, to forgive, and in order for us to receive and have that forgiveness available for us is that he walked an extremely lonely path. Um, and I, I just think that, and I don't know that I've ever read the scriptures this way, but as I was reading over it, it says, "Carrying." Then they took Jesus away, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out. Now, we know from the other Gospels, as different disciples saw and were told about things from different perspectives, that ultimately another man was employed to carry Jesus' cross because Jesus was unable to physically continue it. So the way I picture John in this situation is John is standing in this courtroom. He keeps finding himself in these courtrooms. He obviously has some authority and some power and some friends. And uh, he was in the courtroom the night before at the high priest's house. He's now in the courtroom at Pilate's, so he's there, and and I just envision that John is standing in the back, and as they go out, the soldiers are dragging Jesus, and he's, they're putting a cross on him, and John is now separated from him, uh, either by the crowd or whatever. I, I, I'm assuming a little bit based on what I'm reading here, and the picture is of Jesus going out by himself. And... Uh, for restoration with God to happen. Uh, Even sometimes for restoration with others to happen, it means that we have to do and be a part of what no one else wants to do.
1: One thing I think that that was good that the writer pointed out was that um, John, the writer of this gospel didn't go into graphic details of how extreme and horrific the crucifixion was he just he stated the details and um, didn't dig into it and because this picture of Jesus is the picture of forgiveness it's the picture of God it's the picture of Jesus did die for our sins so that we could be right with God but it's not all the the graphic gore.
0: it's the the humility of Jesus it's the willingness of Jesus it's the you know simplicity of how he did it he didn't engage Pilate with some lengthy argument Um, and even when they brought Barabbas out we're not told anything of how Jesus argued or tried to put himself over Barabbas and of course we're not told that Barabbas said anything either but that John just says that this led to his death. And like Christy was saying, it can be easy to get caught up in, in this idea. And let me read something I wrote over here. We often think about the passion. It's called the passion of the Christ. You know, that, that suffering. Uh, and the passion may capture our attention because, I mean, it's, it's awful. And we get caught up in those things. But don't miss what led Jesus to that a lot of other people have suffered horrifically and and awfully and physically uh, but Jesus willingly humbled himself willingly over and over when his mother said Jesus they need wine Jesus said that's not my problem but he gave him wine when all these things were happening Jesus was constantly humbling himself and and that is I I miss so much I miss it not miss as in I don't have it but miss it as in I read over it and slip past it, uh, the humility of God, mm-hmm. and the humbleness of God.
1: We're going to skip that next question and go on to um, the next set of verses.
0: So we, we move a few verses down again. So uh, so
1: go back and read the whole chapter. Yeah, chat.
0: go back and read through it. Um, and now we find Jesus on the cross, and, and Christy's going to pick it up there. Verse
1: 28. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I am thirsty. Our jar full of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit.
0: When we we'll move into uh, this part of it here, and Christy's going to bring this out in just a minute, it's important to understand, it says when, when Jesus knew everything that was now finished that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus has showed himself up to this point to be very well versed in scripture because he'd been studying it. If you go all the way back to Luke, I mean, it talks about Luke at the age of 12. He's back in the temple uh, trying to talk with the teachers and leaders and trying to understand more about scripture. And one of the passages, in one of the books we know he was very familiar with, because he because he quoted it multiple times, and that's the book of Isaiah. In fact, you mentioned earlier about how he was in Nazareth and they almost stoned him to death. He was reading from Isaiah mm-hmm. at that point, and it was a very intentional reading Right. Um, that led to that. But
1: and they knew exactly what he was talking yeah, about, <laughs> what he was referring to, and it really angered them. So yeah, he. He got some retaliation for that in his hometown.
0: So it's important to see Jesus not I, I mean, I've kind of like, you know, we read his miracles and we think, oh, it's just, you know, he goes around doing fantastic, wonderful things. Uh, but he was very well versed in scripture. And so uh, Christie's gonna kind of bring that point out here that our writer gives us.
1: Yeah, one thing that he said that I, that I liked said, Jesus was a rabbi who taught scripture as well as the Messiah who fulfilled the scripture. Um, When Jesus said, I am thirsty in these verses here, he was expressing his thirst, his humanness. Obviously, he's thirsty, but he was also calling attention to the fulfillment of Scripture. And that come from Psalms 22 and 69. Um, He was completing this picture that that he knew would have to happen.
0: Yes, and when we think about this and go back to the the beginning and and the fact that Jesus is doing a work here, not only himself forgiving those who are doing this to him in the moment, but paving the way and making it possible for you and I to have forgiveness. He does this well versed in Scripture, knowing who God is. And it's just such a reminder to me, and I'm deviate here for just a moment, um, that Scripture is given. God to reveal God and show how God reveals himself to man over and over showed us in Genesis he comes down fellowships with Adam and Eve they sin he has to withdraw because they have separated themselves from him but yet he still communicates and then Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the way down through Joseph and and then Moses from deliverance and on and on we could go the story is about what God is doing for and how he is revealing himself to people. And so Jesus didn't come to earth and say, okay, well, I'm God and, you know, I'm going to do miracles. He went back and studied the scriptures and knew them. I mean, he he intellectually and emotionally attached himself to those scriptures.
1: And the Old Testament people that Daniel was just referring to Moses and Adam and Eve um, God had to come to them individually he he didn't speak to them all at one time he didn't come well Adam and Eve he did come to them daily but typically it was just in visions or you know the burning bush and you can read those accounts but here when Jesus came and he was present physically with people daily and then when he died it didn't end he sent the holy spirit so he's still present with us today through the holy spirit and he can talk to us and and use us or use his spirit to work through us
0: yes absolutely I, you know god god is able to be known he is not an entity that is separate he's not i mean he is separate but he's not an entity that is you know somewhere, somewhere out, out there. there yeah i mean things yeah. but i mean he, he is he is personal uh, he is relational and in, in jesus and especially in this moment in this story we see he is humble he is submissive uh he is compassionate he is empathetic you know and all of those things he is yeah. very relational for you and i today
1: one question says, what do you find hopeful about Jesus' declaration, it is finished? And I think it's what I had just commented on, the fact that it's not over. It is finished does not mean it's over and I'm done and and see you later. He's present with us today, and we can feel his presence. We can pray. We can um Read his word, we can feel it through other people, but he's with us still.
0: Absolutely. And when you understand that it is finished, uh, it means that one stage has moved into the next stage. And Jesus' death finalized that part of God's covenant with man that he would restore man to himself. And the next stage that we'll begin to look at next week is how Jesus' resurrection brought about. And then we get into John 14, verse I think it's verse nine, where Jesus says, I'm going, but you're gonna be better off because I'm giving you my spirit, which is what Christie's been talking about. I so, didn't know
1: that was next week. Well, we're <laughs> so, getting into the resurrection next okay. week, but
0: that is part of that gotcha. ongoing story of, of uh, our relationship with God. Yeah,
1: so forgiveness is possible because Jesus died for our sins that was the point
0: absolutely and we can forgive because of that because our hope goes away from our abilities and into a reflection of what he's done for us so we hope you'll join us again next week's Easter I hope that somewhere you'll find a way and a place to celebrate the fact that while God came and God is present God triumphed over the ways and means of both the accuser and men and rose from the grave
1: thank you for listening um read john this week just listen just read john this week um the whole book if you can or hit hit a play on you version and listen to it it's a good thing to do um for the week of easter
0: that'd be wonderful and we'll see you next week